Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Come on and praise Him this morning. Why don't you just thank Him from the bottom of your heart. Tell Him how much you love Him this morning. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Jordan, you got to do that again, son. That's very anointed. Amen. Appreciate that. Well, you may be seated. I've been uh, preaching for a long time. For I don't know, first time I preached was probably 30, 35 years ago. And uh, I've preached... I've learned to preach under the leadership of a lot of great men and women who taught me a lot about preaching and how to bring a message. And, and I have uh, myself taught a lot of young preachers. And I've taught them in a classroom. I've taught them in a pulpit. I've taught them. So I know a lot about preaching. And, uh, you know, God's blessed me. I've preached on five continents to thousands and thousands of people. But there's one thing that I have learned about preaching and about standing before a group of people is you have to yield to the Holy Spirit because I can prepare a message and and I I do. I I study, I read, I, I... I can't speak Greek, but I I find the Greek, and I can speak Hebrew, but I find the Hebrew. Find all I can about the Word of God, and so that when I stand before a group of people, at least I halfway know what I'm talking about, maybe a little bit. But none of that does any good if I don't say to you this morning what the Lord what Holy Spirit wants you to hear today. It's not three points in a poem. It's not a flowery message. I I don't, you know, I can have a lot of of, uh, stuff going on behind me. You know, I can use clips. I can use music. I can use props. None of that matters if I don't say what God wants you to hear today. And if this year hasn't, hasn't taught me, which I already knew, but sometimes you just have to be reminded. If this year hasn't taught me anything, it's taught me this. You sitting here and me standing here, hearing a gospel message, which I believe is the plan of God. Today, when we walk out this door, this could be the last time that we hear a gospel message. God moves, my friend, in your life. He moves sometimes suddenly and imperceptibly like a great glacier moving toward the sea. You, you can't detect it, but it's moving. Sometimes God moves like a bolt of lightning or with the swiftness of an earthquake. Last year, an earthquake off the coast of Argentina 
so moved the earth that it was easily detected by the global positioning satellites. It moved that much, that quick, and forever changed the landscape of the earth. That's the way God moves in our lives. Now, I want you to know that he is steady moving in your life, whether you know it or not. Sometimes when you walk through life, you get so numb and so oblivious and so caught up that you forget that God is moving in your life. And then an event can come and will shake you and rock you and you'll say, God, what are you saying? So wherever you are this morning, whatever state, whatever condition that you are in today, know this, God is speaking into your spirit this morning. I don't know why you're here. I know why I'm here. It's Sunday morning. This is my job. I come to church and I preach the gospel. It's my calling. It's my passion. But if it wasn't my job, if it wasn't my calling, I would be here worshiping God with God's people. Brother Robert, you do me a favor. Will you bring that podium and put it right here? I'm going to stay down here with y'all this morning. Is that okay? That'd be all right with y'all this morning. Just want to just want to be on the same level with you today and, and just talk to you today because I believe that God is speaking to our hearts this morning. He's been speaking to me for several weeks over today's uh, message, I guess you'd say, or what God wanted to say. But you could ask Debbie. She asked me yesterday at around noontime, well, you, you got it? And I said, no, I ain't got it. <laughs> I don't know. I had, uh, had these thoughts, had these notes, had these things that God was saying to me. And uh, that's the way it is with a preacher. Sometimes it comes, sometimes you work for it, and sometimes you can work for it, and you still don't know until you know. And I knew last night about 9 o'clock what it was so you don't have to stand this morning uh, because I'm going to be going through a lot of different scripture I've had you standing but I want you to turn to John chapter 4 and I want you to look at this familiar scripture that we've heard so many times and it's about a woman pastor's been preaching about a lot of women in the Bible here lately, about Ruth and Naomi, and and uh, we'll hear, you know, about Rahab and Bathsheba, and and about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and about Elizabeth, the cousin. You know, you hear all these things, and and they're important. This woman doesn't have a name. Her name is not called. She's called the woman of Sychar. And a lot of times we call her the Samaritan woman because she was a Samaritan. And so I want to talk about her this morning, but mainly I want to talk about Jesus and his encounter and his interaction with her 
and what that means to you and I this morning. So I'll be looking at some of these scriptures today and uh, in John chapter 4. Now, this, uh, this account is a great account uh, and it has a lot of different meanings to, to us. But there's, there's several things that God wanted me to speak to you this morning. First of all, if you read in John chapter 4, you'll see that Jesus, it says uh, that Jesus left Judea in, in verse number 3 and departed again for Galilee. Now, the first thing I want to point out this morning is this next verse of Scripture. And he had to pass through Samaria. And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, in your King James Bible, it probably says it like this. He must needs go through Samaria. The first thing I want you to know about this this. This story, this account, this, this view into the life of Jesus and into the life of this woman of, of Sychar, this Samaritan woman, was, is this. Jesus had to go. And I want you to know this morning that wherever you are, whatever condition you are in, uh, whatever is going through your mind, whatever... Uh, valley that you may be walking through good or bad whatever mountaintop you may be rejoicing on or starving to death on whatever river you may or ocean you may be crossing God is going to find you and he's going to come to you I want somebody to know that this morning because you, you, you may be saying you might have said this week Jesus where are you God, where are you? Look at this mess. Look at this condition. You look, you look at the condition of the world and you say, where are you? Well, he's on his way to you. Matter of fact, he's walked right up to you this morning. In this worship this morning, God has walked right up to you today. He had to go through Samaria. You look at the maps, there's a lot of different ways he could have went. Going through Samaria, for him, was the quickest way. But it was not the religious way. It doesn't matter. Jesus ain't going to do what religion says. Because religion says you go around Samaria. Religion says you go this way. Religion says if you have to go, you don't stop and talk to nobody. You just make your way through so you can get to where you need to go before sundown. But Jesus ain't looking at religion. Jesus doesn't care about religion. Jesus doesn't care about what your grandma did, your grandpa did. He didn't, it doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter what the world says Jesus ought to do and ought not to do. He is going to come and find you where you are. John 3 says that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus into the world. God has always been looking for mankind. In the book of Genesis, in the cool of the day, God would come down and walk through. And when Adam and Eve had been disobedient and hid from the Lord, he kept calling out to him, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? He knew where they were. 
he knew where they were. But he said, where are you? Hey, hey. He's saying this morning to you, where are you? Where are you? I've come. I've come to meet you. I love this in this account. That'll preach all by itself right there. God will come to you. He has a need and you are his need. He has to go and you're the reason why. And God will find you no matter where you are this morning. Now, if you look on down through this scripture, it says this woman came to draw water. To draw water. Now, I want you to know something. I, and and I'm on, I really want to hit on this somewhere in this message this morning. But this well that this lady came to was not just a well that her family had dug or, or the city had dug. That well that she went to is still there today. It was dug a couple thousand years earlier before this ever took place by a man named Jacob. Everybody know who Jacob is? You learned that in Sunday school. He dug that well. That well was a part of the history of the family of Israel. That's who Jacob was and is. That well is a part of the culture of that whole community and that whole, and it was central to not only Judaism, but it's also important to us as Christians. It's important to the Muslims. It's important to three major religions. This woman was going to that well to meet Jesus, and she didn't even know it. I just got to say this this morning. In 1953, before I was ever born, yeah, I ain't that old. I was born in the 50s, though, the other end of them. My grandmother <clears throat> was dying of leukemia. She had cancer. She was dying. And every Sunday afternoon, a pastor would come by her house and bring three or four men and pray for my grandmother every Sunday afternoon that pastor would come by how do I know that well my mama was married to my father and living with my grandmother and grandfather and she was taking care of my grandmother so she told me that she said they'd come by every Sunday afternoon and they would pray for Carl's mama, for my grandmother. That pastor's name was Brother Henson uh, Phillips. Don't you think about that. You don't say, well, I don't know who Henson Phillips is. That's, uh, his, he's got a son named Cornelius Phillips. You'll get this in a minute. You'll get this in a minute. I wasn't even born 
when his daddy was praying for my grandma. He wasn't even born when his daddy was praying for my grandma. But somehow, some way, back then, our families were connected. He used to pastor my grandmother and grandfather. Our families were connected. Do you hear what I'm saying? There was something there that put our families together. I think it's pretty neat. I think it's pretty neat. And see, see, God has a way of doing something in the life of a family at some point in time that even in this case, thousands of years later, it was going to make a big difference in the life of somebody. My God. Pastor's been preaching on that. He's been preaching on Ruth and Naomi. Boaz was David's great-granddaddy. Come on. God, listen, you're not just walking through this world on your own and God is not directing your path. He's directing your path. I've talked to Pastor about that a lot of times. I said, I can't get over the fact that your daddy prayed for my grandma. Pastor, and here we are pastoring together, working together in the kingdom of God and you my pastor. Isn't that something? That's the way God works. That's the way God works. See, when I came up, I didn't know all that stuff. When I came up, mom and daddy didn't take me to church. They, they just walked away from the Lord. But what I didn't know was they met at a tent meeting with a woman preacher preaching right over here on Highway 59. That's where they met. You know how they courted? Elizabeth, they courted by going to the overhead church, uh, Bridge Church in Frisco City. That's where they went on their dates. Her granddaddy and her daddy are pastor of that church. That's, that's how they met. That's where they went on dates. And I didn't know any of that because I was lost as a low bird in the high bush. Huh? They didn't take me to church. I didn't know anything about that until I got saved. And so I started sit down and talking to my mama and say, Mama, how'd y'all cook? Well... Mom and daddy would let me go to church, so, and then that's how it was. This woman was going to a place that was important to her family. And you, God will put you somewhere, someplace that you might not even know about it, like me, and get you in a place that was important in your family. God has been marking you from the day before you were born. God has been marking you. God has been, been directing you and guiding you and leading you until this moment where you will walk into his presence because he had a need to go there and you'll meet him. Not even looking for him. She wasn't looking for Jesus. She was going to get some water. And Jesus does, did 
what he always does, he looked at this woman when he saw her come and said, let me have a drink of water. You say, well, Jesus always asked for a drink of water. No, Jesus will always ask you a question. You'll never come into the presence of God without him asking you a question. Because he wants to get real with you, Brother Larry. He, he, wants to, he wants to meet you face to face. He wants to put all the facade down. He wants to put the fact that she's a Samaritan and he's a Jew down. The fact that he's a man and she's a woman. He wants to get, a, get away and get through all of that. So the way he does it is he asked a question. And this question was, can you give me a drink? Give me some water. What is the question that he's asking you right now? He's asking you one. Huh? Oh, so many times he's come to me and he's asked me questions. He'll ask me a question like, Don, what are you doing? I don't know. I was looking for you to help me. Or he can say something like this, Don, what are you doing? And I'll say, well, I'm doing this, just like you told me. And then he'll, you know, that gets the ball rolling. He said, well, when did I tell you that? Well, you, no, I never told you that. I'll tell it one more time this morning when Debbie and I were getting ready to come here. Uh, we didn't know we were coming here. We didn't know. But all I knew is God has said, said, leave Blunt County. I'm moving you to South Alabama. I didn't know what that meant. So I put my house on the market to sell it. And I told our church and worked with our church. And our church was praying with us. And we were saying, they would say, Brother Don, do you know where you're going yet? And I said, I don't know, but I got to sell my house. Got my house for sale. I've told this before. Some of you, if you know it, you're finna hear it again. I, he said, he said, they would say that. My mom would ask me, my kid, I don't know, I gotta sell my house first. Then one day, all of a sudden, something happened. The sign blew into the backyard. There wasn't no wind like it was last night. And I went to pick the sign up, the for sale sign up. This had been nine months almost. I picked that for sale sign up, started walking with it, and God said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to put this sign back out so that I can move, so I can get on the present. He said, I didn't tell you to sell a house. I told you to go to South Alabama. If that house never sells, if it goes back to the bank, when the door opens, you better go. And I said, yes, sir. Do you hear me? what I'm saying? I thought I was doing what he wanted me to do. He didn't tell me to sell a house. He told me to be obedient. So God is asking you a question this morning. Maybe he's asking you what you're doing. Maybe he's asking you where you're going. Maybe he's asking you what are you going to do about this situation. Maybe he's saying to you a question so he, you can open your mouth and he can begin to talk to you and get to the real issue. That's all he wants to do anyway. That's all he wanted to do with this woman. He was thirsty. But he said, give me a drink. 
to get the conversation started because he wanted to drill down into what the issue was. So they had this conversation about this well and about water and about that water and uh, she began to say to him stuff like, well, you know, I'm a Jew, you woman, why are you coming through here and these type things and and then finally Jesus had, had been talking to her. He, he said, uh, if you knew the gift of God, in verse number 10, and who, who, is, who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so the woman is probably kind of like Debbie. She's trying to be a little smart aleck with him. I got a chance to pick on her. She picks on me all the time. Y'all just don't know at home all the time and she said well you ain't even got nothing to get water with how are you going to give me some water that was uh, you know this conversation go so I don't know what you're saying to God how you playing around what you're doing but I just want you to know he's going to get to the point here in a minute with you you can laugh at him you can, you can say ah you know it doesn't matter he knows the real you and he today wants to get to the real you. You come here to eat turkey and ham and dressing. Praise the Lord, I am too. But that's not the reason God got you here. So he explains it to her. And then she asked a question. She said, I need some of this water. Okay? I, I, I love this illustration. But the donkey in, in Shrek said, Donkey, you like an onion. No, Shrek told Donkey that. Shrek said, Donkey, I'm like an onion. I have layers, and you start peeling. You got to peel the layers back. You know, I don't know what, I can't remember what Dunky said, but I thought, well, the more you peel it back, the more it stinks, and so it's going to stink. <laughs> and uh, God wants to peel your onion layer back. Huh? And he's using a donkey to tell you that. <laughs> Thank you. A donkey. God just wants to get to the bottom of it. And he had with his woman, and she began to realize, you know what, I need some of this water. But she didn't fully understand what that meant. But she understood that if this was life-giving water, if you drink of it and you never thirst again, I need some of this water. Some of us this morning are beginning to realize we need a drink of this water. We need a drink. So Jesus, not like Shrek, but like Jesus, begins to peel the layers back. And he starts taking them back. And then Jesus says to her, go and call your husband and, and tell him to come here. 
the woman said, I don't have a husband. He said, no, you're right in saying I have no husband for you have had five and the one that you are with now is not your husband. He get to the bottom of it. Huh? The, first, the step starts with you getting in his face, him coming and finding you. You start talking to him, and that's what he's doing this morning. He's talking. He's talking. He's talking. And you're answering. The more you talk, the more, the more you answer, the more he gets to the root of the problem. And the problem was this woman had a bunch of problems. And I, you know, a lot of preachers right here uh, will try to, to, to put some stuff in here that they suppose was the condition of this woman. I can't because it doesn't say it here. I just got, I'm going to tell you what the Bible is saying. I can suppose, you know, if you've had five husbands and you're living with a guy now and he's not your husband, that really, you know, you have problems with relationships. I, I can probably figure that out. And, and you got problem with relationships and you got problem with men. And I can maybe surmise that you got problem with women because you come there at the time when there ain't no other women around because all the women would come together to get water, but you didn't come with them. You came by yourself, so I can kind of suppose some stuff like that. But I really can't do what Jesus can do. And Jesus got right down to the root of this issue. And so he said that. And God wants you to know that, uh, that he knows all about you. And he knows what and who you're tied to. What and who you're tied to. Some of you need to break the strings this morning. Allow Jesus to break those ties that bind. Because some of the junk and mess that you're into your life is because you're tied to other people. You're tied to events in the past. You're tied to uh, things and wounds and hurts and pains in the past that have got you tied. And you're tied to them and you can only go so far. You're like the dog on the end of a leash. You can run and get, you get jerked back. You can start on your journey, but you can't get on your journey. You're like one of the horses on a merry-go-round. Looks like you're moving and going somewhere, but all you're doing is going in a circle. God wants to set you free this morning. God wants to untie you today. God wants to break that out of your life today. And he has to do it by revealing where you are. And so this woman had run into that and Jesus doesn't know it he knows your past your present and your future he knows all about you he knows everything about you so she understood he wasn't talking about literal water he wasn't talking about the water in that well he wasn't talking about the water in any well what he was talking about was eternal life because her next response is, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I perceive. You know why? Because they got in a discussion about Messiah. 
Messiah means one who will come and save and rescue, one who will deliver. And he, they began to talk about that. And then he said to her, the one you're talking about, the one, the Messiah that you're talking about, the one you're looking at right here, I'm he. I'm the one. I am. Come on, somebody. The minute, the moment that you realize when you get past, as I said earlier, the religion, the facade, the trappings all around, the, the cushy chairs, the lights, the overheads, the platform, all of that, how somebody's dressed, how they talk, how they walk, when you get past all of that and you encounter a holy and righteous God, that's when you are going to be able to move forward because she needed to be set free. But not just any man could set her free. Not just another priest. Not just another, another prophet. Not just obeying the law of Moses or doing what Jacob had done. My God, she was drinking out of the well he dug 2,000 years ago. That was not enough. Sometimes just going to church and going through the routine, opening your Bible and reading it from Genesis to Revelation and not receiving anything out of it. Sometimes we need an encounter with a holy and righteous God. And when we see that, we know it. Then God can begin to work. God can begin to work in your life. Remember, it's not about... It's not about numbers. He, he had a kingdom he wanted to build, but it was not like other men wanted to build. He came for the sick. He came for the sin-bound. He came for the lost, for the helpless. He came for the, those that had no hope, for the dying sign crying. Human masses is who he came for. That's why he was at that well this morning. That's why his spirit is here today. And that's why you're sitting here listening to this country preacher tell you that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God and he is able to set you free. That's who he is. When you know it, then you can go. Finally, I'm doing good, ain't I, baby? Finally. Now, uh, you know, the little boy looked at his daddy. He said, Daddy, the preacher keeps saying finally. What does that mean? He said, Son, that don't mean a dad blame thing. <laughs> don't mean nothing. In conclusion, don't mean a thing. It does this morning. I, I got two more Paul, Paul points and I close. But there's something I have to tell you today. Number one is God is hunting you. Found God is coming to find you. God knows all about you. He knows past, present, and future. And God wants to set you free. All you need to do is have an encounter with him this morning and he will set you free. That's it. Bottom line, nothing. Listen, I told you I was lost. I was lost. I didn't know. Wasn't looking for him. Wasn't trying to find him. Didn't care anything about him. I used his 
name as a curse word until the night, April 14, 1979, he walked up into my room and said, I'm the one you're looking for and you ain't even looking for it. And I said, yes, you are. Didn't know how to pray. Didn't know what to pray. But got on my knees and prayed. That's why, Sister Linda, he's going to those people in Islamic nations. And he's coming into their houses. He's appearing to them in dreams and in literal visions. And he is literally walking into their homes. They haven't, they haven't been looking to him. They're bound in a religion to keep them from looking from it, but he's going to them anyway. Glory to God. And if he'll go over there to do it, if he'll come into my room to do it, he's in here this morning because we've invited him here. Oh, glory to God. He's here to set you free. So know that. Now, there's one verse of Scripture here that I want to talk about for just a minute. When his disciples came, they didn't ask a bunch of questions. They thought to themselves, because, see, John is writing this, so you're getting kind of John's point of view here. He, nobody asked him, who is this woman? And... Uh, He's found in verse 20. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled. In other words, they're like, wow. That he was talking to with a woman, but no one said, why do you seek or why are you talking to her? So this is John. John knows. He said, we come up and hit, there was this woman, but in none of us asking what was going on here. And, and, and so they didn't even know. They didn't ask. So, the woman left. Watch this. It says, so the woman left her water jar. Wait, wait a minute. She come to get water. She left the water jar. Just left it. You'll find, my friend, you'll find the thing that you've been carrying around that you thought was so important is not important at all when you meet Jesus. <laughs> Ain't that something? Oh, the burden. I gotta make a living. Gotta make another dime. Gotta do this. Gotta do that. You'll find when you meet Jesus it's not important. You'll walk right off from it and leave it. She left the water jar. She came looking for water, but not the kind that she needed. She found what she needed. Now, she left the water jar, and she went into the town, and she said, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, back at the bat cave, Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. I used to watch cartoons a lot when I was a kid. Somebody got that. Because you watched them too. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, man, you need to eat. 
rabbi, teacher, eat. And this verse of scripture right here, he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And they're like, where? What you got? We want some of it. That's what I'd have said. Man, you holding out on us. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone bought him something to eat? And then this verse of scripture is what I want to drill down in for just a second. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, I'm preaching this morning. I'm trying to cover every base I know to cover. And I've been talking to you. If you need Jesus, you're in the right place. He's come to set you free. But then there are those of us who are not doing what we need to do. Let me just say these thoughts that I wrote down this week. It's a sad thing when your I'm going to has become I used to. When your we are going to becomes we used to. It's a sad thing when your best days are now just stories of the past. I used to do this. I used to do that. Instead of I'm going to go do this. I'm preparing to do this. I did this yesterday. When it is, well, oh God, we used to meet in a prayer good fall. We didn't lay out in the floor for 40 minutes. Well, <clears throat> that's probably one of your problems. You laid out in the floor and you never got out in the highways and the hedges. I, I, let me move off of that. Somebody said, well, Brother Don, you shouldn't have said that. <clears throat> There's probably a lot of things I said this morning I shouldn't have said. <laughs> will, you put, will you elbow him? Elbow him. He'll get over and scrunch up to him and elbow him. Don't hit him in your kidney. Hit him in the uh, <laughs> life comes from doing the will of the Father now I, I just want to tell you something you're being controlled by a will whether it's the Father or some other will your will or some person's will you're being controlled by a will but there's only one will that will sustain you that will give you life that is the will of the father he'll hold you he'll keep you and he'll help you I talked a lot about our legacy and that's what I want to go back to we've got legacy I have it. Many of you can point to it, but I want you to know, if you're in this church this morning, you have a legacy. You got something. What I've found in my life is I keep doing stuff for other people that they're called to do, that they are empowered to do. 
that they are gifted to do. And guess what? As long as I do it for them, they, they're not getting any life. What I am actually doing is killing them. I'm making them, I'm making their very muscles atrophy because their gifts are not being used. Now, I'm guilty of that, and I, but, but I try. I, I intentionally try to put people out in a place of ministry and say, you do this, you do that, you do this, because I know that doing the will of the Father gives you life. That's what Jesus said. God gave me this scripture a long time ago. I was doing, I was somewhere, I was in a place, and I was supposed to be doing something that I just wasn't that comfortable doing, that I wasn't as gifted and as called and as qualified to do that. And I asked the Lord a question that morning. I said, God, why am I here? He said to me, this very scripture, John 4, 34, he said, son, you're to do the will of the Father, and my will is that you be here right now and you do this. He said, if you focus on that, you'll find that you'll be happy, you'll be satisfied, you'll be content, and you will grow when you do my will. I don't know what he's told you to do, but until you do it, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be content. Until you do it, you're, you're going to be hungry. And your hunger can lead you to the wrong thing. Instead of leading me to the lean meat and the lean greens, it's going to lead me to Krispy Kreme. Come on, that's what your hunger will do. You get hungry. Where's that pound cake? Forget about that salad. Put that nana pudding right here, honey. I'm going to go to town. You start eating things you ought not to eat, trying to satisfy a hunger that that cannot satisfy. And you get fat. And you get sassy. And you get lazy. And you get unhealthy. And you start having to take all this and that and all the other things. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about your physical, but I'm talking about your spiritual now. When you begin to do the will of the Father, you, you get lean and mean, brother. You get happy. You get satisfied. You get strong in the Lord. And you be, stop becoming someone who is being walking behind everything that smells good, looks good, but you're walking right where God wants you to walk, doing what God wants you to do, and being the person God wants you to be. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. How many wants to do that this morning? Amen. If you didn't raise your hand, well, what's wrong with you? Everybody ought to want to do that. The end result of that is if you don't, if you don't eat the right thing and the, the bread that he's talking of, he said, I got bread that you don't know about. And this is the bread of life. 
And the bread of life is to do the will of the Father. If you don't eat the bread that you're supposed to eat, you know, I've already said the things that are going to happen, but the end result is that your life is going to be shortened. And you will not do what God wanted you to do. Now, it's sad to say I used to. We almost did and, and have a life in the past. But it, it'll be sad at the end of this life to say, I wish I had. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. You guys can come. Uh, thank you, Katie. Boy, I did good today. Um, I'm talking about on time. I, I meant on time. I, didn't, I did good on the time. Brother Robert, you come get this for me, please. Everybody thank Brother Robert serving. I'm going to go back to what I started off with. Today. This moment can be the moment. This may be. Life is fast. <clears throat> it's fleeting. The Bible says it's like a grass that grows up, it's cut in the morning and burned up in the evening. Life is like a vapor, it's like a fog. It's here. And then it's gone. So the things that I've said today, you need to realize that if God has spoke to you about any of these things, any of them, you need, you need to make some kind of response to him today. You say, what do you mean, Brother Don? Do I need to walk down there and shake your hand? Kneel down? What? I, what do you mean? Well, if that's what, if that's what it takes, yeah. Some of you might need to do that. We do that often here. We'll call. We'll we'll do. We'll call you. We we'll say, man, you need to move. You need to make a move, because we know sometimes if we just let you sit there, you'll walk out of this door, and what what Holy Spirit has said in your heart will just kind of go away. So sometimes we do that. This morning, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. Everybody stand together. And y'all can begin playing. <laughs>